A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the When Diplomacy Fails State of the Podcast Address. Once again, I would like to thank you for joining me for one of these special episodes where I delve into my latest news and explain to you what the story is with, well, Zach Twomley, but also when diplomacy fails in general. So I hope you'll enjoy this unique look into Zach Twomley and I suppose when diplomacy fails as well, because it is going to be a a unique episode. I promise it's going to be more like controlled and a little bit better uh, organized than the last state of the podcast address I had, which I think went like way over half an hour and wasn't meant to be that long at all. But when I look back on that episode, I kind of appreciate my own ramblings and I'm kind of glad I put them out there. So this is kind of, it's almost like a part two of that. And it's as if I learned from those ramblings and I'm ready to ramble again. So I hope you're ready to uh, humor me and, uh, accommodate me for this episode. So, where should we begin? Well, I'm not exactly sure what the best way to drop this news on you is, but let's just say I've been given some pretty incredible news by, well, the University of Cambridge. I've been offered a place in Cambridge to do my PhD in history. Like, I thought of so many different ways, so many stylish ways that I was going to announce this and how I was going to do it really cryptically and everything, but I was just bursting to tell you guys. Like, I cannot hold it in anymore. I don't want to hold it in anymore. So there it is. I've gotten a place in Cambridge. I got it. I did it. We did it, guys. Zach Twomley is going to Cambridge. Like, it's incredible. I can't believe it. I'm going to freaking Cambridge, the best university in the world for history. And I'm going there. I'm going to Cambridge. Wow. The more I say it, the more real it seems. And then it seems more scary. And then, I don't know. Wow. Cambridge. I still haven't quite accepted it in my head. I think because for so long, Cambridge was like this impossible dream. And before then, it was like this place I was like, oh, I'd never get in there. So there's no point in even trying. When I saw that email saying, we've offered you a conditional place, which basically means if you fill out these conditions 
uh, then you will be offered a proper place by July, which is the time I have to fulfill those conditions. And those conditions include basically sending them a hard copy of my exam results for my BA and for my master's, and also signing this form saying that I'm able to pay for the three years of the PhD. Now, paying for a three-year PhD course in one of the greatest universities in the world is not an easy task, and that kind of will make up the bulk of this episode, but before we go any further, I think I should kind of give you guys a friendly sort of warning. If you're not really in the mood for me kind of asking you for money or telling you the kind of life story of Zach Twomley and trying to relate that back to Cambridge, if that's not your idea of a good time, then maybe you shouldn't listen to this podcast episode because it's probably not going to be for you. And you might even find it a bit annoying. I would recommend coming back to it when you're in a super good and generous mood. I would have to say, though, before anyone leaves or thinks of turning off that dial, I would recommend checking out the When Diplomacy Fails podcast blog, which is wdfpodcast.blogspot.ie. That again is wdfpodcast.blogspot.ie. If you go there, you'll be greeted by the latest blog post, which will explain basically everything in words, if you're more into reading than listening. And it will also provide you with a handy donate button in the top right corner, which you can choose to use if you want to give a certain amount of money per month or just a one-off donation. But that's all I'm going to say on that. And now I give you permission to leave if you don't want to listen to the rest of the episode. But I really would encourage you to go to the blog, and even if not, I would really appreciate it if you spread the word, mostly to people who have heard about When Diplomacy Fails, because if you just tell them, Zach's going to Cambridge, they'll be like, who? So make sure that it kind of makes sense. You know, the usual thing. But yeah, I, I would really appreciate it if you did tell people, spread the word that I'm going to Cambridge and that I need your guys' help to get there, and yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for sticking around. So I will now begin the meat of the actual episode, which will kind of explain who I am, what I hope to do, and why Cambridge means so darn much to me, and why it should mean a lot to you as well. So, yeah, here we go. So in Ireland, there are these state exams called the Leaving Cert, which you do when you're leaving, I suppose, high school and going into college. And the idea is, in each of your grades that you get, you get a certain amount of points. And that amount of points is used to calculate whether or not you're able to actually get into the college courses you wanted. Okay? Cool. The problem for young 18-year-old Zach was that he didn't actually get the points he needed at all. In fact, he did pretty darn badly in the Leaving Cert. And he thought he'd run out of options completely. So what he decided to do instead was basically cry and think that everything was hopeless until his guidance counsellor came along and told him that there was actually these things called post-leaving cert courses which you could do and if you did well enough in them you could then get into the course that you'd originally applied for. Basically a second chance. Now I had heard of these before and even though they had been recommended to me so that I'd apply to them as a plan B so that I wouldn't put all my eggs in the leaving cert basket... I basically ignored that advice because I thought I was above the option of having a plan B. When it turned out that I wasn't and that it was kind of an emergency, I applied with much haste to what's called the Rathmines College of Further Education, a lovely little community kind of college in just south of Dublin city centre. 
it's a really nice place and I had heard of it as an option but as I said I kind of ignored that option due to my own snobbery. Eventually I decided to swallow my pride and apply to this course basically a few weeks before it was due to open. It was known to be a notoriously oversubscribed course and the woman even told me when I was like applying for it that uh, I didn't really have much of a hope in getting in. But I stayed positive and I insisted that I wanted to keep my name on the register. Now, so later that day then, I was told by her that, well, Zach, you have a place in Rathmines. And I guess this these were her exact words, despite the fact that it was all full. What she said was, it's just the way the cards fall. Now, I don't know what you believe about fate or faith or God or anything like that, but I really feel like someone was looking after me in that case, because how else would I have, like, completely hopelessly ill-prepared Zach somehow got into a really oversubscribed course? So yeah, Wrathmines basically saved my ass, and then I got into UCD because I did so well in Wrathmines. I was one of the few who qualified to get into the course that I wanted to do. It also transpired that while I had wanted to do history and English in University College Dublin, I eventually changed my mind and decided to do history and politics instead, because in Rathmines I had enjoyed the politics module so much. So that was great as well, to be able to discover that. So, I started in UCD, and because of the Rathmines experience, where in Rathmines they teach you basically what plagiarism is, how to write an essay, how to construct an argument, I kind of felt like I knew a lot and was more experienced than most of the poor first years there. In case you're not aware, UCD is the biggest university in Ireland. Now, as far as big universities go, I mean, obviously there's bigger ones around the world. Of course, in America they're gigantic and stuff, but it's pretty big for Ireland. There's about at least 30,000 students, more in fact, I'd say, by now. But at the time, it's it's kind of daunting when you start and you don't really know what to do, where anything is, or how to do anything. So I had a little bit of help with that. So I think because I felt a little bit more confident and... Because I had been given a bit of a leg up because of Wrath Minds, I had more of an opportunity to kind of let my creative juices flow. So what I decided to do in May 2012, which was when I was coming near the end of my first year in UCD, I decided to start a podcast, a history podcast, because I'd been listening to a few, like The History of Rome and Napoleon 101, and I just decided, man, these are so cool, like... You can literally do whatever you want. And I had always been known in high school as the guy who writes essays that are way too long or gets really over the top with stories because I just let my creative juices flow and it always kind of seemed to lead me down the wrong path. But I digress. It, it was it was kind of a foreshadowing of things to come because I saw the podcast as a great chance to kind of let my creative juices flow with no real control And no, I didn't really know what I was doing at the start. And you can probably tell that by the first few episodes. But hey, it went well, after a while anyway, once I got into the swing of things. And soon what I thought of doing as like a bit of a creative outlet became this all-consuming thing that I just did all the time. And wow, it took up so much time. But I loved it. I loved doing it. I loved the idea of making something and putting it out there and getting feedback on it. And I was in shock at the time that people were actually listening and, like, downloading. I remember we were on this this walk with a load of people, and I told people that I had made a podcast called When Diplomacy Fails, and I had a 100 downloads, and they were all like, a 100 downloads? And I was like, yeah, people are actually listening to me. And they were like, wow, okay, that's great, Zach. Yeah, sure. 
Like when I think now to when I have over one and a half million downloads and I got so excited over the one hundred downloads. Like, yeah. Okay, so so we kept going and uh, we started into second year in U C D and yeah, it was okay. Like college kinda kept going and it was basically a matter of balancing college and the podcast together, which I did reasonably for a while. Um and then when it came to 2013, it was a bit harder because I started my part-time job in Costa Coffee, so I had three things to balance then, and you notice that the podcast episodes got a lot less frequent, which I really didn't like. But anyway, we kept it going, and we survived through 2013, and eventually, by the end of that year, we were starting into third year in UCD, and that kind of, that was like at the start, about September 2013 was when I started the... 30 Years War special, which ended up taking so much more time than I thought it would, but I kind of got inspiration because of the really enjoyable history module I had done with a professor there who would later become my mentor, basically, in getting into Cambridge and everything. But that was my first introduction to him, and I think it really reignited my passion in collegial history, if that's the correct term, because I'd always liked podcast history, but for ages I'd found history in college really unstimulating and I only liked it because it was kind of in the same vein as what I already was doing but yeah it was it was grand and the inspiration I got from my mentor in doing that really really helped me with the podcast to the extent that by the time the new year in 2014 came around I was starting to look at a pretty significant event that summer the centenary of the outbreak of the first world war And I was really thinking to myself, what can I do with this that would be, like, really special? Now, I knew already I had done a First World War special with about 11 episodes or something. Even though that was there, I wasn't really happy with it. And I kept on going back to, especially the outbreak of the First World War itself. I kept on thinking to myself, there's more here. And it was only after I really investigated it in the months before I started the what would become the July Crisis Anniversary Project. It was only once I kind of did my research that I realized how wrong I'd been before and how much this kind of whole topic of the outbreak of the First World War really deserves a proper comprehensive examination. So that's basically what I did and the July Crisis Anniversary Project was the result of that. And from that, bear in mind at this stage I was coming near the end of my actual Bachelor of Arts. And I decided just before I'd finished that I was going to stay along for another year and do a Master's in History. Because I knew that I liked doing that kind of thing and I didn't really know what else to do. So I decided to do that. So when I started in the first semester, so we're thinking now September 2014. When I started then it was kind of a case that... I had the experience and I had the background knowledge from the July Crisis Project which really, really helped me so much. So I kind of had an idea what I wanted to do for my dissertation and the Masters continued and some parts of it were good and some parts of it were bad but I eventually sat down to properly do my dissertation and as you all well know, I spent a lot of time on it and stressed. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So much over it. But eventually it was finished, and I was able to release it as a six-part podcast series as well, which I was very happy about because... After ignoring you for so long, I felt you guys deserved to see what had actually been done during that time. So yeah, so I finished that dissertation, I handed it in, I finished my master's course for all intents and purposes and I was happy to see the back of it. And then a few months later I got word that I had been basically given an award for my dissertation, that my dissertation was the best in the year and I was kind of like, seriously? Now this was September 2015, so last September... And I was kind of like, really? My dissertation? Are you sure? Kind of thing. And eventually more information came out about it. And it turned out that I wasn't going to get anything actual physical for the award. So no money or that kind of thing. Sad face. But what it basically was used for was to show that I was the best in the class. And should I be applying to any kind of courses in the future, it would be great for funding. So they told me. Which is why I'm so hopeful for funding in general. But yeah, so having done that... I kind of thought to myself, well, I've got this award for my dissertation, so I should really just go for the PhD that people have been telling me to go for. So different ideas kind of swirled around in my head about where I was going to do this PhD, and eventually I decided on London and then Queen Mary University because I thought that looked really cool and really vibrant and all that kind of thing, and I thought that I would have a good shot at doing it. And I was so totally wrong because it was way too expensive to live in London and that kind of thing. So King's College in London and all that kind of thing, they really just, they weren't practical for me. And my mentor took me out for dinner one time in Marco Pierre White's, which is this really nice steak restaurant. Marco Pierre White's that guy in the North Stock Cube ad, in case you didn't know, who says he only uses the finest ingredients. Anyway, this is the way I'm talking about the restaurant (laughs) that I went to for steak. Anyway, so... He, my mentor basically persuaded me in that meeting that we had over much steak and wine that I should go to Cambridge and to Oxford. I should apply to the two of them because why wouldn't I? And I was kind of like, well, I don't know if I'd fit in. I don't know. Like, I don't really like the idea of Cambridge. It strikes me as being really snobby and really stuck up. And I mean, come on, man, it costs 50 pounds just to apply to the damn thing. And he was saying that Basically, he said, oh, Zach, it's going to be all worth it, and you'd love it, and you'd fit in so well, and it's exactly the kind of educational environment that someone like you would excel in. So I started to mull it over in my head, and I looked into it a bit more, and eventually I was like, yeah, why the hell would I not do it? And then it was a matter of basically persuading myself that I was 
good enough to apply and then it was another matter of persuading myself to part with the 50 pounds to actually pay for the application so I applied to both Cambridge and Oxford with Oxford being my plan B because I knew I wanted to go to Cambridge more because it was known to be better for history um so yeah so despite the the warnings of my supervisor and even my mentor who said I should have like another plan other than just Cambridge or Oxford I was like no because I want to do a history PhD in Cambridge or in Oxford and if I don't get either of them I don't want to sell myself short this year so if nothing comes up I'll just apply for everything next September 2016 so they were like okay fine. So once they both agreed that I was crazy and agreed to support me um, the applications started to fly out and basically brings us closer to where we are now and yeah it, it was a seriously stressful time. And then we come to January. So after much stress, I sent out the applications and didn't really think much of it. I thought that they would take a long time to get back to me because I heard that that was the way those things worked. Like I even said in the November State of the Podcast address that I probably wouldn't hear anything till like spring. But lo and behold, in about the third week of January, approximately a week after I'd sent off the Cambridge application, I got an email saying that, I had a conditional offer from Cambridge and I remember just looking at that email and thinking it's kind of hard to describe what I felt. I kind of thought what? I was like I was really confused because number one I thought that there had been some mistake or something and then number two I thought already that was fast like I thought it was to do with something else and it was only after I reread it a few times that I kind of realized I got into Cambridge like I did. The only thing about the conditional offer, it makes it sound less impressive when you say you got a conditional offer, but they just don't want you to think, I'm going to Cambridge, so they don't want you to think what I'm thinking now, because it is, in a way, it is guaranteed, but you still have to fulfill certain conditions, which basically include proving you're able to pay for the course and sending in your exam transcripts from your two previous degrees, which I said before. But yeah, so that's kind of my story. It started off like... The guy who couldn't even get enough points in his leaving cert to do history and English ends up getting into Cambridge. That kind of summarizes everything. Like, it's crazy. It really is. If anything, it shows how backward and in need of reform the Irish exam system is. But I'm sure other countries are like that too. Why should you care about all this? Well, I think for me, I don't want to sound like a superhero or anything. But I think my story, a lot of people could get something out of my story. Because... It helps you to keep on believing in yourself. It helps you to see that even if things don't work out at the start, that there's always a different way to get to where you want to or feel like you need to get to. And that even if things don't work out initially, if you keep the faith, if you keep working hard, and if you keep doing what you're doing, eventually things will work out. And I think that's a really important message to be able to disseminate to people. And I think that's why I feel like I have to tell you all about how I got to where I got to now. I'm not trying to paint myself as some kind of saint or inspiration, but I really would like to be that for other people who feel like they don't think they're able to get there, or they feel like it's not going to work out in the end. And above all, I'd love to be the guy who's really highly qualified in the university that I'm teaching in, and who's just able to help people, guys, seriously, because... How many of you have ever gone to university or college and just thought, my god, that guy who's teaching me is the most stuck-up, arrogant, etc. that you could ever have come across? And, like, 
it's not like they invented the cure for cancer or like ended world hunger all they did was go to a fancy university and get a great degree i mean maybe their parents even paid for that degree i know i know i'm jumping to massive conclusions and i'm not saying that all university lecturers are mean and bad because most of them aren't but it's always the really arrogant ones that stick with you and i'd love to be one of the guys that teaches people that people can look at and say you know what that guy he really helped me out and He made me believe in myself when I didn't think I could. Because people have done that for me, and I really want to give back. I really want to give back to you guys for listening to me all this time, and I really want to give back to anyone who I end up teaching at any time. I want to communicate to people that they do matter, and they are important, and that they can get through the hard times. Because it's important to look after your fellow man or woman when times are tough. So yeah, that's what I want to do, and... If going to Cambridge gets me to there, and I think it will, because anyone who goes to Cambridge and does well seems to get a job in teaching history, or is at least qualified enough to be able to teach in history most of the time, I feel like that's why Cambridge will be so important for me, because it basically lets me get into the kind of world that I wouldn't get into otherwise. It gives me a free pass, almost, which I know is a strange way to describe it. But I almost compare it to, like, the 1800s, with Disraeli feeling like he was so out of the loop with the aristocracy because he'd never gone to Cambridge or Oxford or anything. And then he becomes Prime Minister and suddenly everyone, like, respects him just as much as they respect any any other noble or anything like that. I feel like Disraeli's becoming Prime Minister is going to be me going to Cambridge, if that makes sense. And I just had to bring Disraeli into this. But you get what I'm saying. I'm not someone who knows what it means to have loads of money or spend loads of money or be in a position to pay for things like three years of Cambridge. But that's where you guys come in. And that's where the funding comes in. And even if I don't get any donations and even if I don't get any scholarships or anything, as I said back in November, even the fact that someone like me was able to get approved by Cambridge and that's what the conditional offer is despite what it might sound like it is basically them saying yes we want you come in when you do this even if nothing else works out they still said yes and that to me is huge so what's the story with the money the money is probably the biggest issue no the money is the issue when it comes to whether or not I will go to Cambridge And the reason why I made this whole episode was basically to tell you what the position is with Zach and why Cambridge is great for him and why it's important for him. And now I've done that, I think I should really explain the monetary aspect of it because I'm not going to pretend that that's not important too, because it is. I can't do this without money. And it's important to make a disclaimer first that I have applied for a number of scholarships and studentships and most of them are quite generous and I do have a good feeling about them. And I feel like they will work out. And like if if a significant number of them do, then hey, maybe I won't even need any money. But at the moment now where it stands, where I don't have any guarantees or anything like that, and all I have is my good feeling and the potential help you guys could give me, I feel like I feel like I am warranted to request emergency aid, if you like. Because I guess that's kind of what it is. And on the other hand, if I get all the funding I ever wanted and then it turns out that (laughs) your donations are just sitting there and that I didn't even need them in the first place, then that's great too. Maybe I'll 
spend that on a flight home or I'll... Oh, I could make t-shirts, actually. Yeah, that's something I could do. Haha, <laughs> see, there you go. So your money will go to something even if nothing else works out. So you have my promise that from now on, any donations I get will basically go into what's called the Cambridge Fund, where I will leave it there and know that it's there, but not withdraw from it unless I use it for Cambridge. So yeah, that's the plan. So what money are we talking about here? Well, £60,000 for the three years, basically, and that includes fees and maintenance and everything else. That works out at about €83,000, so that works out then at about $90,000, so just so you know what I'm up against here. But again, the funding should take care of a good part of that, and if I'm able to work enough and make enough money in the meantime, I might be able to chip a little bit off it as well. But I would really appreciate any and all monetary assistance you would give guys. I mean, I'm just a guy with a microphone who makes something and sends it out to you for free every week. I know you have no actual obligation to give me anything. So that's why I'm asking you, as a friend, if you would like to give something, then please do. And it would be so, so appreciated. And in a way, you could tell yourself then that you helped Zach get to Cambridge because... Even without the money, you have helped me get this far. I don't think I would be who I am now without When Diplomacy Fails, because it is such a boon to have something like a podcast behind you to prove that you are serious about history, and more serious than really anyone else, because look how crazy you are. You're crazy enough to do all this extra work. So yeah, that's kind of the limits of my pledge, guys. I don't want to take up all your time here, because it's just going to go around in circles, but... Basically, again, wdfpodcast.blogspot.ie is where you can go if you want to donate and read more about Zach and kind of continue on with this story that I've told you here with some handy photos. But other than that, yeah, that's me. Last time that I talked to you, I said that I was a happy 24-year-old, and that's still true. I'm still very happy. I'm still very excited for the future. The only difference now is that the best university for history in the world has said that they want Zach. They want the guy who's been talking to you for the past three and a half years, basically. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal for you, and it's a big deal for me, of course. It's a big deal for everyone I know and everyone I love, and you should spread the word. If you would like to start a hashtag Zach to Cambridge, then I won't stop you, even though I don't use Twitter. Maybe it'll catch on, who knows? But yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. And if you would like to donate... That would be great. I will not wait. Or hate. I'm not here to debate. Kill me. (laughs) So it's time to say goodbye. My name is Zach and you've been listening to When Diplomacy Fails. Thanks very much for listening and see you soon for a special batch of Britain Goes to War. See you guys. Much love. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.